1: This is the Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Howdy, 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 doody. Welcome to the Bonfire Podcast here with Andrew Herzog. As uh, Doc and Skip would say, also on the Blaze Radio Network, the commissioner of culture and, as I would say, the earl of entertainment. So that is sort of what I brand myself. You know, I, I hold myself to the highest standards for entertainment. I don't enjoy watching Or reading trash. I try to pride myself on watching and reading the appropriate things. The things that are actually entertaining. Something that is deep. And even if it's not deep, it's at least funny. It's humorous. It's sort of a departure from reality. Something that can kind of get your mind off your problems. I'm all for that. It's very subjective. There is a subjective side, yes, to my beliefs, my standards. But art in and of itself... I believe, does have some objective qualities. And I'm not alone in that thought. The topic for this segment is something that I haven't yet talked about, but it is actually very important to mention. There's an article that I found this week on the Daily Mail, usually a pretty good source for all sorts of weird stories and entertainment. Of course, there's you know a lot of slut stories all over the site, everywhere. It sucks. <laughs> you won't believe the cleavage on this woman. Okay. You know what? Why is that an article? <laughs> what is going on here? Anyway, that, that aside, that aside, here's the important story. What a spectacle. Ting Prankster puts his glasses on San Francisco gallery floor, claiming they're part of the show, and these discerning art lovers believed it. That was pretty funny, actually. TJ Kayaton, I believe is how you say his name, 17 years old and his friends decided to pull the prank after they were left unimpressed by the art at the gallery. The teen laid a pair of glasses on the floor of the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art to see how people would react. TJ claims that the spectacles were immediately swarmed by art lovers who began taking pictures of the quote-unquote exhibit. Prankster's pictures of the public's reaction to his fake artwork have been shared tens of thousands of times. Bravo, TJ. Bravo. I give you a little, little golf clap right there. You know why? Because I enjoy a good prank. I do like to troll my friends (laughs) just to get a reaction. It's funny. I don't do it all the time. I try to control myself. But I appreciate the thought. The thought of, you know what? I'm going to take off my glasses, a very commonplace item in society. I'm just going to put them right here on the floor. I'm going to put them in front of a sign so that people are led to believe This must be one more exhibit here at the wonderful Museum of Modern Art. And that's exactly what happened. He took his glasses off, put them on the floor in in front of a piece of paper that happened to be there. I'm not sure what was on the piece of paper. But, of course, everyone making their way through the museum one by one noticed the glasses on the floor and stopped to marvel at these spectacles. (laughs) That is hysterical to me. I would. That is a brilliant idea. I wish I had done that. Shoot. Great idea. Back when I had glasses, taking them off, putting them on the floor. Of course, if I walked away, I wouldn't have been able to see any of the reactions because I was nearsighted. Whatever. But that idea, he decided to take these pictures, and there's this this idiot on his knees with his SLR camera trying to get a close-up shot of the glasses on the floor. He's trying to be all artsy-fartsy about a total nonsense exhibit. (laughs) But let me also just say that everything at the Museum of Modern Art is nonsense Absolutely, without question That is objectively true That is not my opinion That is truth I can give you several examples But you know what? I don't think I should be the one to tell you these things Allow me to introduce this artist He's a renowned artist and there's a nice little nifty little video on YouTube where he explains what has happened to art over the past particularly maybe 200 years. He's explained that for the past thousands of years humanity has slowly but surely you know, improved its standards. The artists would build off of one another in the next generation and say, "Well, here's what he did to uh, make this scene look so spectacular and so realistic. So I'm going to you know develop some new technique and some new oils on this different kind of canvas or background or medium and see if I can't make it even more beautiful, more you know objectively um, art." And dude's name, where is it? Let me find it real quick. His name is Robert Florzak. Robert Florzak has more than a few thoughts to say, but for the purposes of Bonfire here, I'm just going to play about a minute of this clip, and I'll let y'all listen to it here right now.
0: How did the thousand-year ascent towards artistic perfection and excellence die out? It didn't. It was pushed out. Beginning in the late 19th century, a group dubbed the Impressionists rebelled against the French Academy de Beaux-Arts and its demand for classical standards. Whatever their intentions, the new modernists sowed the seeds of aesthetic relativism, the beauty is in the eye of the beholder mentality. Today, everybody loves the Impressionists. And as with most revolutions, the first generation or so produced work of genuine merit. Monet, Renoir, and Degas still maintained elements of disciplined design and execution. But with each new generation, standards declined until there were no standards. All that was left was personal expression. The great art historian Jacob Rosenberg wrote that quality in art is not merely a matter of personal opinion, but to a high degree objectively traceable.
2: Sounds about right to me. Zach. Has an excellent point by saying the aesthetic relativism is what has taken over what we nowadays decide to call art. That is not art, that is personal expression. Huge difference. And I never really thought about it in those terms, you know? I'd always made jokes since I was a kid about modern art, saying, like, I could go pick my nose, fling it onto a leaf, and then stick it under a brick and then say, okay. There's that modern art. Let me go submit this to the gallery and see what they think. What the hell <laughs> is personal expression? That is not art. People seem to nowadays, um, as Florzak has pointed out before in articles and blog posts, books, videos like this, that people seem to value the the idea of art. They seem to value the artist, the artiste, but not the art. They put more focus on who did the piece of crap, or what was he trying to tell us with this piece of crap? Literally, a piece of crap. I'm not making a joke. There are people out there who take dumps, and then they call that art. No. There was a very famous sculpture of a, I think it's a Greek female policewoman, female policewoman uh, policewoman, who is literally doing her business and leaving, let's just call it residue, on the floor. That is a sculpture, and it it includes the synthetic urine. Some idiot out there thought that that was, I don't know, a commentary on our world, some kind of social, you know, point he was trying to make i don't know it was stupid (laughs) and it's trash you may have gotten some kudos for if you actually say carved this policewoman out of stone or clay and added the details and the paint making it look as realistic as possible but when you decided to have her just drop her pants and do her business and then you said that is my masterpiece that is my art that is trash that is trash, and so are you. Okay? That is a personal expression. That's <laughs> a stupid, trashy personal expression. So Florzak is absolutely right when he says that there were standards for art. There were some of the experts in their field, you know, just like there are experts in science, there are experts in the film industry, experts in the music industry, because that's all art also. But when you come to actually canvas Paintings, drawings, you know, old school art. Where are the experts on that? Where are the judges for that medium? They should be there. I think they kind of are in the form of galleries, as he explains in this video. Galleries, museum heads, and critics, who pride themselves on being critics, saying things like that stupid policewoman. That is art. It is beautiful. I must have it in my gallery. <laughs> terrible it's so much trash it'd be funny if it weren't so sad that that's what passes for you know cultural growth and the deepening of our thoughts and interpretations and the expressions of humanity okay because you know animals don't have art they don't only human beings have art so by doing something that's intrinsically human but then making it total trash you're, you're, you're mistreating it that's terrible I've always appreciated the Greek artists, the ones who made all these sculptures, you know, the Olympians, the dying Gaul, all sorts of uh, Pantheon, the Parthenon, the temples, the buildings, Athena, etc., 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 and the Romans, who mimicked from them, but improved on what the Greeks had done. And I am actually ashamed to say that I have forgotten (laughs) most of the art history that I was taught back in university. But I love that class because we're learning objectively beautiful art. Human beings over the centuries learning from one another, building on top of one another, you know, something that's objectively and truly beautiful. It took some skill to produce some of these things, (laughs) believe it or not. Nowadays, it doesn't take any skill whatsoever. Uh, And there's another piece of art, I'm not sure who, it doesn't really matter, because he's an idiot. There's something else at the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art, and it's just a white wall. I think maybe it's three panels of canvas that are just white, and he just kind of linked them together and said, there it is. What the hell is that? (laughs) A two-year-old could do that! Dumbass. It's the... Like I said, it'd be funny if it wasn't so sad. So... I do applaud, though, back to this article, that TJ Kayatan, who decided to visit the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art, and he's walking around very disappointed, thinking, eh, this, what is this? I'm not I'm not all that impressed. He does admit later in the article, he's like, normally I do like modern art. I'm okay with it. Um, but not so much here. Did a little experiment of my own. Took off my glasses. Put them on the floor. <laughs> Got a great reaction So TJ I applaud you That is a great prank I am jealous And it does illustrate the bigger point here that I am trying to make Art is objectively beautiful This aesthetically You know relativist Mindset The beauty is in the eyes of the beholder I've heard that before we all have yes That might be true when it comes to relationships But when it comes to art a painting a canvas I don't know There are certain standards That should be upheld for art And if you can't make it Then it shouldn't be in a museum It shouldn't be worth trash And it should just be burned (laughs) Not burned, but you shouldn't do it If the best you can do is a white wall Or a policewoman Doing her business You suck You suck, get out You absolutely do not belong With any other artist in the world just stop. This is the Bonfire
0: on the Blaze Radio Network On Demand. The Jeff Fisher Show. Elementary school forces students to cross-dress for LGBT week. Uh, yay! Principal just said, uh, I didn't know about the cross-dressing thing. Sorry. Uh, you know, but I think students need to learn about the prejudice of society against this group of people. This group of people is about negative two. No editorializing. Just stories that make you go, huh. Jeff Fisher Show Saturday morning six to eight Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: This is the Bonfire on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Here's your host Andrew Herzog.
2: Something happened to me the other day that I would like to share with you all, with y'all. I, I wrote an article over a year ago, I believe, on bonfirethoughts.com. What ten traffic tickets will do to you? Yes, I I have at least. 10 traffic tickets in my short driving history since i got my permit at 16 years old which i believe is also when i got my first speeding ticket Mm. so go figure i've gotten about one ticket every year whether it's speeding kind of running a stop sign illegal u-turn whatever that's neither here nor there the point here is i believe common sense is more vital safe driving than any law you can make all the laws you want stating that speeding talking on your cell phone driving while intoxicated are dangerous and illegal but people still fool around why because there is an absence of common sense laws don't protect you on the road common sense does i believe i don't i really don't know who it was i really wish i did but someone famous has mentioned at one point in time that you know you can tell the state of a society by the number of laws that it has. The more laws, the more trashy and stupid the society is. Because for some reason, if you're full of stupid people, you think that having the laws on the books will just all of a sudden make everything better. No, if you had common sense and morals, then the people would actually govern themselves. And they would know better. They would say, hey, you don't need to tell me that it's illegal to drink and drive because I know that's dangerous and stupid. So, if only everybody had common sense, then there wouldn't there would be no need for a law. Everyone would just know, hey, don't do it. But alas, we have laws such as that. So, here's the point. The other day, I'm coming home from work, and there's this uh, intersection near my house. Most of the time, when I happen to pass through it, there are blinking red lights because it's a it's a low traffic area so the city decided hey let's just do blinking red lights that way people can just come on through they stop and then continue on their way that's a self-regulating intersection you know everybody stops at the red light they look around and then they continue on their way you don't need to have a green light in one direction that's on all the time and then having traffic that's sitting waiting for the red to turn green and then sitting there wasting their time. They're like, let's just make it all red, blinking red, and everybody can do their business through this intersection in two seconds. You'll be done and move on. Unfortunately, this one time, I was sitting at the intersection, and they weren't blinking red lights. I'm sitting, and I'm sitting, and I'm still sitting. In the, you know, the grand scheme of things, five minutes is not that long of a time, but what the hell? What kind of intersection makes you wait five minutes? That doesn't happen anymore. You know, the sensors everywhere should be able to detect, hey, there's no traffic coming perpendicularly. So let's just flip the switch here and give these people the green lights that they can go and go on their way. But no, we sat there, and this was not just me, so I'm not alone. There were a number of individuals uh, beside me and behind me waiting for the red light to turn green where we're looking to our left and we're looking to our right and we see nobody for miles. <laughs> I mean, not miles, but nobody was near the intersection. It didn't need to be a green light for nobody and a red light for all of us. It should have been the other way around. So we sit there for five minutes and we're all itching, going, what the hell's going on? Are the sensors broken? Do they not know all these cars are starting to pile up and that it's green for Nobody so i'm sitting there wondering should i go literally everybody else is kind of just sitting there and traffic is starting to pile up in front of me behind me to my left to my right and it's still green for this road that nobody is on i wasn't the first let me just say i was not the first one to do it but the guy next to me said screw this i'm gonna go and he just took off made his left turn and moved on with his day As soon as I saw him do it, I saw the guy pull up behind him, and I saw him starting to inch forward, and then he goes out into the intersection and goes about his day. So, I did the same thing. I pulled out, and I moved on with my day. The point here is, what is the point of, you know, red lights, stop signs? It's to regulate traffic. Well, guess what, Chuck? When there is no traffic, I... Yeah, we'll ignore the red light. Or the stop sign. Like I said in this article, like about a year ago. If it's a stop sign coming up, and I I can see, you know, perpendicularly to my left and to my right that nobody is coming. I'm gonna go through it. Okay? That is a waste of my time and it is unnecessary, and it does not make anybody less safe for me to just drive right through. Why? Because there's Nobody around. Only stupid people need to have these stop signs and red lights and traffic tickets. And I, I, I am including myself in that because, like I said, I got several traffic tickets over the years. I am slowly learning, though. Maybe I should slow down. Because, yes, that is for everyone's safety. I understand. So now, when I'm on the road, I do go the speed limit. I do signal so that people know what I'm doing and I don't get into a wreck. But when there's a red light and ain't nobody coming across the street, I'm going to go through it. It's a waste of my time to just sit there for the no traffic on the street. I will blow through the stop sign. Now, I've paid the price for that before in the past because i did it when there was traffic around and that's where it's dangerous i know that okay i was in a rush i got pulled over i got a ticket i learned my lesson when nobody's around nobody's lives are at stake nobody's cars and trucks and other vehicles are you know at risk of being hit because no one's there so that is my argument common sense over law Mm, of course that is very very unlikely in today's world as i just pointed out in the previous segment with the modern art whatever that means there is no common sense there are no standards in our culture and that sucks so we have to uphold our own standards the ones and hold ourselves accountable and say objectively this is true these are the standards we must hold ourselves to them so rest assured if i know if i know nobody's around there is nothing wrong with running a red light. There is nothing wrong with going through the stop sign. Of course, that requires, you know, some situational awareness for you to make sure, hey, there's nobody coming. If someone's coming and you're like, hey, I can blow through this quickly, I'll do it anyway, then you're an idiot. You stop. It's not worth anybody's lives or well being or, you know, wallets to do that. And I'm not encouraging y'all to do it. I'm just letting you know that's what I do. So there you have it, straight from the horse's mouth. And (laughs) this horse has gotten a lot of tickets over the years. So God willing, that doesn't happen to me anymore. But we'll see. We'll see.
1: This is the Bonfire On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: Buck Sexton. If Clinton's numbers really tank, if she loses California and the email, uh, the email server. Remember, I really should. We should really call it the server scandal because that's much more important. But if the American people catch on to this, she's just a liar. And whether they care about the national security implications of the email being hacked and everything else or not, but just that she's lying about it all year.
1: Buck Sexton, weekdays noon to three p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. This is The Bonfire, On Demand, on the Blaze Radio
2: Network. Oh, believe me, I am very, very excited. I am practically losing my mind. And you may ask why. Well, here, let the trailer speak for itself.
1: Hello? Did you hear that?
2: What was that? Hear what?
1: Stan, I just, I heard someone say hello.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of fish here. Anybody, literally anybody could have just said hello. hello. There. Where am I looking? There. Oh. Hi. I'm Dory. Yeah, well, where are your parents? Hi. I've lost my family.
0: Where did you see them last?
2: I forgot.
1: I was looking for something, and I... Okay, totally get it. Date night. I suffer from short-term memory loss. It runs in my family. At least, I think it does. Where are
0: they? Dory, there you are! Look out! Ah! Oh, look at this. Our friend got taken into whatever this place is. It's a
1: fish hospital.
0: I feel fantastic!
1: Listen, Dude. Name's Hank. I have to find my family.
0: That's a hard one, kid. Well,
3: I guess you're stuck here. You're not helping, Dale. I lost my family.
1: That is so sad, you boy.
0: Not a great swimmer. Our friend is in there lost, alone.
1: Bailey, you've got to use your echolocation.
0: Ooh, I feel stupid.
1: Poor babies. Let me get that for you.
0: Woo! She should just pick two, and let's go. Dad. What? I'm kidding. I get the feeling they're shushing us for a reason.
1: Like something with one big eye, tentacles, and a snappy thing? Well, that's very specific, but something like that. Somewhere out there is my family. I can't find them on my own. Hang on, Dory! Serve up, kid! Into me! I don't want to be touched! Ah. That's okay. Everybody
3: does it. Nothing to be ashamed of. Ah! I trust Becky. You trust Becky. Becky's eating a cup. Ah. Just keep swimming.
1: Mom! Dad! Does this mean we have to say goodbye to Dory? I don't know why I thought I could do this.
3: Dory, you are about to find your parents.
0: And when you do that, you'll be
1: home. Sea
0: lions. They are natural predators. They could pounce at any moment.
3: Uh, Mate, don't you worry? Don't you
2: worry about a thing. Woo! Yes, sir. Oh man, I can't wait because the first movie, as we all know, Finding Nemo, came out in two thousand three. I was thirteen years old. And, you know, I grew up with Toy Story, A Bug's Life, Monsters, Inc., and then Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo is my favorite because, you know, I'm sort of a thalassophile, someone who loves the sea and the beach. In case you didn't know. In case you didn't know that, yes, most of my vacations, I try to involve the beach because I can't get enough of it. So, of course, I like Finding Nemo the best. And, sure, it took them 13 years to come up with a sequel, but that's okay. I'm always going off on Hollywood needs to do more original, unique you know stories, movies, quit doing remakes, quit doing sequels, but in this case, I'm willing to forgive them and say, oh, hey, obviously you didn't make one two years after the movie because you're just thinking, hey, we can make more money, let's just go with it. You know, it seems like you put some legitimate thought into this and thought, you know, for 13 years, we don't need to, it was a great movie, it already won awards. We're not here to just make straight cash. Some studios do that. They just want money. And so they put out trash. And some people do go see that. But Pixar has never put out trash. Ever. So here, again, it looks like they're going to do another fantastic movie, Finding Dory. Finding Dory comes out June 17th, I believe, this year. So, of course, Bonfire will do a review. I will be in the theater with, you know, probably the tweens and the uh, eight-year-olds, but I don't care. I don't care. I went and saw the Charlie Brown movie last year. And I was the only, I wouldn't say the only adult, because the parents did have to bring the children there. But I was definitely one of the few people over pff, 10 years old there. And I had no problem with that, because love Charlie Brown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love the Peanuts, okay? Just like I love Finding Nemo, and hopefully, it would appear, Finding Dory. So, there you have it. You know, Finding Nemo, I love that movie so much, because I thought it had great music. For just an animated movie. The animations, you know, were well done. Very crisp, very clean. I thought the the voices, you know, fit the characters perfectly. I liked the message. You know, you'd be surprised how often a Pixar movie can kind of, you know, choke you up a little bit. Make you tear up just a little bit. And you think, wow, this is just a stupid cartoon. And yet you're getting this reaction from me as an adult holy crap, but that's how you know it's a great story, and you know that Pixar, they're great storytellers, they know how to do it, so yeah, Finding Nemo, great music, I love the story, the plot, definitely an original concept, it was funny, Mount Wanahakalugi, I still, (laughs) I still quote that stuff, oh, pretty frequently, and then just keep swimming, that's a great It's a great little line there, too. Just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. What do we do? We swim, swim. Yes. And Mount (laughs) Wanahakalugi. I didn't get that as a kid until uh, someone pointed it out, and then I thought, oh, hey, there you go. There's a joke probably for the adults that only adults would have caught. I like those kinds of movies, movies that appeal to kids and adults to a degree, but then also has, you know, some form of humor. ...and comments that only adults will pick up on. And you'll think, hey, you know, that was a good movie. That was really well written. You know, it wasn't written for five-year-olds. It was a great script. Intelligent writing. That is what we crave. That is what Americans crave. At least they should. Because, yes, once again, there are standards of art. Not this modern art crap. There should be standards in movies as well. And in my opinion... Finding Nemo did meet those standards of beauty, originality, comedy, great all around. So it looks like the sequel, Finding Dory, will be a great follow-up to that. Very much looking forward to it. June 17th, 2016, Finding Dory. Please join me in seeing it. And, you know, bonfire is all about balance, and it's also about, you know, chugging along. Pay your dues. Work hard, play hard. So with that in mind, just keep swimming.
1: The Bonfire
0: 800- Two one five zero four six five.
1: This is the Bonfire on Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Here's your host, Andrew Herzog.
2: All right, time for some fun here. We're gonna we're gonna bump out with this bad boy. Let's all take a listen, shall we?
3: Please sit back. Okay. Close your eyes. Got it. And allow yourself to just relax. <sighs> relax and let go. Okay. good. Mm. Imagine that you are at the peak of a high rolling green hill. All right. The sparkling sun is shining. Mm. You are gently seated on a throne made entirely of diamonds, mm. emeralds okay. and sapphires. It doesn't sound comfortable. With royal blue velvet To cushion your seat. Oh, no. There it is. You are luxuriously dressed in the finest silks and satins. Luxuriously. Silks and satins. Making your skin feel comfortable Mm. and content. I feel good. You notice that lying on the green, luscious grass... Oh, yeah. ...is an infinite abundance of money. (laughs) What? Precious stones Mm. and gold. Gold. displayed on every part of the hill mm. and stretching as far as your eye can see that's a lot of money it is an endless supply of luxurious wealth and riches Luxurious All for you oh for you to enjoy and have for Forever. eternity or eternity okay every piece of money and gold now slowly begins to glow Ooh. with a magical radiance. Shiny, the precious stones glisten with dazzling colors.
2: Okay, that's about enough. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> My roommate showed me this. I don't know where he found it, but he just said, "Hey, man, uh, you should check this out. You know, give this a give this a listen." And that's exactly what he showed me. I started listening, and I thought, what the hell is (laughs) that? What is going on? Luxurious money and gold spread as far as the eye can see. Now imagine you're sitting on a throne of diamonds and sapphires and emeralds and rocks, and you're sitting on a cushioned chair for your ass. Okay. Well, who is this guy? Grant Raymond Barrett from the album that you can find on itunes called wealth it up saturate your mind with thoughts of prosperity and that particular uh track was called guided meditation with affirmations to attract money and prosperity uh so yeah in case you didn't notice that was kind of creepy he i mean doesn't sound like a dude but maybe it is it says spoken by grant okay He was getting a little too, for lack of a better word, orgasmic about money. I understand the idea of positive thoughts, okay? But this is just weird. Who would sit at home and just turn this on instead of, you know, turning on tropical music, which I do to relax, okay? That is normal. But to sit at home and turn this on at night, you know, as you're falling asleep? Luxurious money. Spread as far as the eye can see. Silks and satins on your skin. Very comfortable. Yeah, that's just weird. And not to mention a total obsession with money. Okay? Like I said, I can understand positive thoughts saying, Today you are a winner. Today I'm going to do well. I'm not going to make any mistakes. Or if I do make mistakes, I'm going to learn from them quickly. I'm going to brush them off and I'm going to have a good day today. That's one thing. But to have this kind of weird fetish... For money and shiny thrones and shiny hills filled with gold that just all of a sudden start to float and sh- mingle around you. Man, this thing goes on for like five more minutes. And that's just one track. How many are on here? Let me see. Holy crap. There are 12 tracks, each of them about seven minutes long. And this was made back in 2011. Oh, no no wonder. It's under the, it's under the category New Age. Let me tell you, that is not New Age. It's just creepy. That should be under the creepy category. I mean... Yeah. Complete obsession with money... And telling you it's yours. You deserve this luxurious money spread everywhere. No. That's not really the kind of... Positive thinking I would support. You know. Just listen to some music. Okay? Be a normal human being. If you want some of these kind of... Self-help, positive thinking... Types of things... Don't do ones that are all about money, how you deserve it, and you're, you know, forever wealthy, and all of your cares are taken care of, and you're just filthy rich, and you're sitting on silks and satins and thrones of emeralds and diamonds and rubies. That's, I think, a bit too far. (laughs) Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Okay, that's enough. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for tuning in again this week to the Bonfire Podcast. In case you haven't noticed, SoundCloud has been giving us problems. Some of the latest episodes all of a sudden just decided to disappear. So if you're listening to this, congratulations, not everybody gets to. We don't know what's going on. Definitely pisses me off. The tech, online, all this crap, all this junk, I don't know. And when we talk to the people, they say, I don't know. They're still looking into it. So like I said, thank you for managing to find this and have it work for you. Go to bonfirethoughts.com for some of our latest articles this summer. And, of course, our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are still growing. I like it. Slow but steady. And that's what matters. Organic growth. You know, I'm not... I don't want to shoot to the stars. I can't keep up. I can manage the podcasts and the articles, and we're doing videos soon. I can do that. That's good stuff. That's the way to roll. So, everybody, thank you very much. Andrew Herzog, out.
1: This is the bonfire